Solar mode is the solar mode, and you're all alone in solar mode, and you miss your group, or you had some kids, but you bought some games, why did you buy those games? It's the solo mode, it's the solo mode, and you're all alone in the solo mode, and your group is gone, or you had some kids, but you bought those games, why did you buy those games? (laughs) Sorry. What up, people? Let's play it again. Solo mode is the solo mode. You're all alone in solo mode. That's enough. It's just, it's been a minute. It's been a while. I don't even know how long it's been since the last episode of solo mode. I don't even know what episode of solo mode this is. Five, six. I have no idea. I'm Matthew Robinson. This is not, okay, this is not your father's game brain episode. Nay, this is solo mode. With your host, me, Matthew Robinson, I'm all alone, hence solo mode, and today we are not doing your typical episode of Game Brain Podcast with Tom or Matt or one of our amazing 11 co-hosts. We instead are going to be talking solo mode games. This is a shorter episode, a little more bite size, a little more friendly to your time sketch, and full of solo information. If you don't care about solo games, we'll check you out on the flip-flop, son, maybe next week, but for now... It's solo mode time. And what are we going to be talking about on this week's solo mode? The top 10 solo games of quarantine. That's right. We're not going to be reviewing just one game today. I thought since it's been so damn long since we had an episode of this, I might as well just talk about all of the solo mode gaming I've done. Because when has there ever been more solo mode gaming partaking than during the COVID pandemic of 20 to 21 to 22 hopefully not and beyond hopefully not even more but i've been playing a lot of solo mode games obviously i have not been gaming in person literally at all other than a handful of games with my wife on the rare occasion when we are both awake enough uh, after the children go to sleep but for the most part all my games have been online that have been multiplayer and other than that i play solo modes now i work from my office i have an office i'm a writer And I have a table behind me that I often have a solo mode game set up on. And my kind of way I play is I uh, I treat it as like chess moves. I'll I'll write for an hour or two. I'll work for a while. I'll stand up. I'll pace. I'll go over to the table. I'll take a few turns of the game. I'll come back. I'll do some work. I'll take some. That's sort of my little uh, let my brain relax, flip over to a different channel, so to speak, in my brain. Uh, recharge the battery so I can come back, sit down, and uh, tap into some creativity. That's kind of how I play. So these are going to be the 10 games that have been on that table the most since last March. We are uh, we're almost a year from when this started in the States, in America. Shorter for some, longer for others. But here, stateside, we started somewhere towards the middle to the end of March. And uh, it is February 13th today when I'm recording this. So close to a month. So this is sort of my year-end wrap-up of all of the games that I have played solo. And I'm going to rank them for you. My 10 favorite solo games that I have played this quarantine. But you know what? Since we are missing a week, we will be back normally next week with, uh, I believe, an episode with Jesse where we will be uh, possibly reviewing Curious Cargo. That's the plan, at least. Uh Let's not miss a week in the news. We got a little bit of news to do. Let's do it. Good evening, Mr. Mr. Nobles, South American. All the ships and clippers at sea. Let's go to press. Fly. 
First up in game news, this is not like an official thing. I just thought it was dope. Uh, there is a Wingspan unofficial mod. Sorry, a Pokemon unofficial mod for Wingspan. Basically, someone has taken the game of Wingspan and replaced all of the lovely birds with lovely Pokemon. Uh, I don't believe they've changed the rules very much or anything. They've probably changed terminology. Uh, instead of eggs, it's Pokeballs. You get it. I just thought that was cool. It's probably illegal. I probably shouldn't be talking about it. It's probably already been pulled from Tabletop Simulator. But the story kind of got picked up by uh, the video game and board gaming world. I saw an article for it on uh, Polygon. I just thought it was fun. Um, if uh, you know, I'm not a birder. So to me, all the birds in Wingspan are all just different colored birds. There's a brown bird and a white bird. And a bird's got a weird head. And that's about as interested as I am in birds. Um, I'm in the minority there. The theme does not detract from me. I very much enjoy Wingspan, but it doesn't It doesn't do anything for me. Um, not that I'm the world's biggest Pokemon guy either. I was a little old for that, although I have played some of the Pokemon games more in my adulthood video games than when I was um, a teenager. Uh, I still could get more excited about a Pokemon theme for Wingspan. So I don't know. What if that really took off and became a cool thing? I would like to see the world of Wingspan expand to uh, fictional birds and creatures of all types. Uh, yeah, probably not something you can even find, but I don't know, search for it. Maybe don't search for it if I'm asking you to do something that the publisher wouldn't want you to do. But either way, it was news. It got picked up uh, by a lot of different places, so I wanted to talk about it. Um, let's get into the big board game news of the week. Controversial, maybe. I don't know. Not really for me. I don't really care that much. But Asmodee the uh the uh, the largest i believe publisher and developer of board games in our hobby um have purchased board game arena um they have acquired the digital gaming platform bga that we all love at least i do and i know most of the people that i play with love bga it's a fantastic uh way to play games asynchronously in your browser on your phone on your ipad um, they uh, have an ever-growing library and they've got some pretty awesome games on there. It's a great way to play with strangers. It's a great way to play with friends. What does this mean for the world's largest board gaming publisher to acquire it? Well, let me check my Magic 8 ball. Let me just shake that really quick. We have no idea, it says. Oh, look at that. We have no idea what it means. Could the evil empire quash our beloved website and destroy our dreams of playing Kingdom Builder with a friend in another country, maybe? Will they just replace it with, you know, Keyforge decks for $10.99, and it's just going to be all of the Fantasy Flight games, and you have to pay for DLC? Could it be the worst possible version of it? Of course. Could they make it better, too? Maybe. Sure. And would, would I err on the side of probably going to mess it up? Yeah, probably a little bit. Uh, but I don't know. Either way, I, I saw some people freaking out about it. Um, I can't say you're wrong to freak out about it, but that's because my time machine is in the shop and I don't know what it means, but it happened. We'll see. I wish them well. I hope they pay all the people who work there uh, and volunteer there. A lot of people volunteer making these lovely mods. Pay them. You got money, Asmodee. That'd be awesome. I hope they do that. And I hope uh, it just gets better. I hope their servers get bigger. I hope their game library gets larger. And you know what? I would like to play Keyforge on BGA, and I would pay for decks. Just don't remove the other things that I love. 
How about that? That feels like a rational response. Capstone has announced a family brand for their uh, their line of games. They already have the Simply Complex line, and now they have one that's even more simple, perhaps. Uh, I don't know if there's a name for it other than their family line of games, but they have announced two games that the pre-orders are not up yet, but will be up soon. Uh, Juicy Fruits is the first game here. Um, don't have a ton of information about it. One to four player plays in 30 minutes. Um, the designer was listed somewhere. Um, I'm not seeing it at the moment, but I believe it is a renowned designer. Christian Store. Yes, that name sounds familiar. Um, but yeah, that's their first game. And their second game they announced is a game called Rorschach, which is a party game. Um, maybe one of the first party games to come from Capstone. Plays four to ten players. I mean, I know they have the climbers and estates, but I don't know if I'd call those party games. Um, but yeah, four to ten players sounds like a party game to me. It takes 15 minutes to play. Based on the Rorschach images, um, I'm guessing that will be some hilarious fun. Uh, it's from Capstone, which means I'm curious, and I will check it out. Uh, lastly, uh, Cranio Creations has announced um, that they have purchased the, the designers. Uh, so I'll just read you the press break because... That's easier. We are very pleased to announce that on Tuesday, February 9th, 2021, Lorenzo Tucci Sorrentino, Giuliano Aquati, and Simone Luciani, wonderful designer, acquired a majority share of the board game publisher Cranio Creations from Centauri. So I believe this is the, you know, the, they, they called this, uh, this publicity release, this PR release, Revenge of the Nerds, it says. So I'm assuming they've sort of bought back their company from a larger uh, corporation or uh, conglomerate that may have picked it up prior or just got a majority share of it and can now make more of the creative decision. So, you know, um, I'm not uh, too familiar with the other two gentlemen there, but Simone Luciani obviously has made a lot of games that I love and I hope they do fantastic things and I wish them well. That's basically it for the news. Like I said, we're going to have a shorter episode here. I just didn't want to have two weeks without news on this show because then the news becomes useless and old let's get in to my top 10 solo games of the quarantine i don't have a drop here uh, it feels like it feels like it wanted to drop to happen right there some kind of a song that i, that I play i don't have i don't know let's just do this good enough all right number 10 this is the no look i played all of these quite a bit solo in the pandemic and i have ranked the ones that sort of made the biggest impression stuck with me were the ones that were my favorites not necessarily the ones i played the most and you know what this pandemic was about playing a lot of solo games i haven't played before so obviously some of my favorites like too many bones and nemo's war uh and games like that are not on this list because i kind of was pulling out stuff that uh, I haven't played very much before or wanted to explore more. And so that was definitely a theme of this quarantine solo sesh for me. So number 10 is Glass Road. Now you may see a little bit of Uwe Rosenberg on this list. Uh, Glass Road was a new to me game of 2020. I believe I had played it once at a con 10 years ago. Uh, Tom taught me I had no memory of it but when I went down my Uwe Road uh, this year um, Glass Road was high on the list uh, in a lot of ways because of Elder who had recommended it as his favorite Uwe Rosenberg game um, or or at least uh, one of his favorite I think he said is its favorite but uh, Glass Road 
spoke to me because it's by many considered his best solo game, or at least his most solo friendly game. And what do I mean by that? Well, it, it genuinely, genuinely, I'm not lying. You can set this whole thing up and be playing in five minutes. Very few components. You got to shuffle a couple tiles of, of uh, a couple decks of tiles. Uh, you have to shuffle your, you know, hand of ten cards or whatever. I think it's ten cards, right? Uh, and you got to lay out your resources, and then it becomes a very fun combo-seeking puzzle. Um, and the solo mode is so easy, and it plays very similar to the multiplayer. That's a big thing for me. I don't want to have my solo mode be a completely different game wherein the more I play it, I'm not necessarily getting more, uh, I'm getting, getting stronger or more proficient at the multiplayer game. To me, I really like my solo games to be very exciting and entertaining on their own, but to also improve me as a player at the game for when uh, the multiplayer games happen of it. So uh, Glass Road does that really well. The solo mode works almost exactly the same you you just uh it's a similar thing that uva does in a lot of games wherein your own actions block your future actions and so cards you use this turn you can't take them back until the next turn after so you're not always going to have access to all of your actions on your cards but it plays so fast and there i mean this is one of those uva games that feels like 20 expansions come in the box there are more tiles than you'll ever need and each of these tiles are laid out as sort of buildings that you can build on your board end game victory conditions it's very similar to newsford in that way that they're sort of like the a buildings the b buildings and the c buildings the c ones are all going to be sort of end game conditions and only a certain amount come out every game and your goal is to find the best combos and get the largest score um and it's really fun it i mean like not only does it set up in five minutes but you can play a game in 20 i've i don't think i've ever sat down and just played one I've always played at least two or three, and it's it's just so fast to jump into the next game. You just, boom, throw all your tiles back together, shuffle them up, deal new ones out, reset your board, you're ready to go. You're playing. Um, highly recommend Glass Road as a solo game, especially if what you're looking for is quick setup, quick games, um, and it uh, doesn't take up a lot of table space either. Uh, next up, number nine is the big boy, Agricola. Why is it only number nine, Matt? This is your big game of the year. Don't you want to become a professional Agricola player? Calm down. I do. But Agricola solo is not not that great. Uh, It's kind of just a puzzle. Uh, And it's not my favorite puzzle. But the fact that it's on this list shows you how much I have Agricola on the brain that I'm willing to play Agricola solo mode. Now, there's an Agricola solo mode campaign that comes in the revised edition, which I actually enjoy more. It's basically like of the 10 cards you start with at the end of the game, if you meet the objective, which is to have a certain amount of points, I believe, um, you keep one of your cards. So, And then the next time you're dealt nine and you keep one, and then that keeps going on. And every, and, but every round you have a higher uh, score goal to achieve. So I don't, I'm, I'm forgetting the numbers, but like 51, 58, 65. Like, so every game you have to score more points. But you're starting with played occupations. You don't actually, you don't even have to play them. They start played in the game. So, you know, by the eighth or ninth game of the campaign, you've got eight cards played that you don't even have to go to the occupation space to play them they're just there but that that you have to have a score of like 90 or something by that point so it's very fun it, it teaches you combo building um but yeah agricola solo is just um it just it, it doesn't feel like agricola to me without other players without <laughs> other people uh you know blocking you and stopping you from what you want to do. it really just becomes about like 
maximizing a score and doing the best you can with the cards, which is a part of Agricola. Um, and look, it's number nine. I've obviously played it a lot. I really enjoy it. Number eight is Mara Kaibo. Mara Kaibo is, of course, the wonderful game from Alexander Fister that came out in 2019. And Mara Kaibo is a really interesting solo game because there's a campaign. Um, and the campaign, when I first heard about it, I was like, that sounds like some kind of like lame Kickstarter add-on or something like something that they just thought of for 10 minutes and threw in like, it's a campaign with, you know, there's no story. I mean, there is, but it's like two sentences on a card, but you know what? The campaign is awesome because it totally changes up the game. Every time you play, it basically just adds a different rule, takes out a different rule. Some of the cards uh, are added throughout the game as you go into the deck. It's super fun. I really enjoy it. And I actually, didn't like the story is so simple and bare bones that I enjoyed it. And it was, it didn't get in the way, but it didn't detract. Uh, and it didn't, um, it didn't try to, you know, it didn't overstay its welcome, I guess is what I'm saying. But the game of Marakaibo in itself is a really good solo game, really simple, uses a deck of cards, very fast. I don't like a solo mode with a ton of flow charts. Um, I like to be able to sit down and just start playing. I want to feel like I'm going up against a competent opponent, but I don't want to feel like I have to spend more time on the opponent's turn than my own turn. And um, I don't think you'll see any games on this list that break that rule. Uh, Archivo definitely has a very solid solo mode, very simple. Um, the deck of cards works well um, and it's fun. And any campaign is what sells it. If without a campaign, I don't know how much solo Archivo I'd play, but the idea of, oh, I want to see what happens in the next one, or I want to see what, oh, that's interesting. Now this new tile came out. That's really going to change up my strategy. It's just fun. It just keeps it fresh every time. Um, and I think it's a totally worthwhile game. Not a quick setup. Not at all. I have a great organizer for it that I got on Etsy. Um, still not a, not a super fast setup uh, and not a quick game either. Not a quick solo game, at least an hour. Um, but rewarding and fun next up at number seven is i wish i had like number seven underwater cities new discoveries underwater cities is a fantastic solo game um not a complicated solo game a sort of block yourself solo game to a little bit to a certain extent there are certain places that are blocked uh less places will be blocked if you do certain actions every round very simple solo game but this is, is, this is the mechanics of underwater cities can be a little multiplayer solitaire-ish outside of the uh, multi outside of the worker placement blocking that can happen because you're really just focusing on um, cycling your hand and playing your cards and getting your uh, using efficiently all of your a actions and all those types of things. But it's really fun and the uh, new discoveries just improves the game in every way for me. It doesn't mean you have to play kelp strategy. Um, it opens up a whole lot of uh, different strategies and different maps. It literally comes with a bunch of different maps, um, different boards. I think there's only, you're limited by the ones you can use in the solo mode, but it, there's still more variety than there was in the original. You cannot use the museum, uh, whole museum board, because that I believe only works with uh, multiplayer, but um it adds enough new stuff to keep it fresh. And it, it's it's not a quick game and it's definitely not an easy setup because there's a lot, you know, a lot of decks you gotta shuffle and stuff, but um it's not as bad as Maracaibo. It's a little it plays a little faster. And I just if you like underwater cities, I, I think you should definitely try the solo mode. And you should definitely have 
the new discoveries expansion if you like it because I, I unfortunately i think it's one of those situations where it's the full game and they just charge you more for it and made you wait a year for the full game to come out um i think the original is great i love it i think it's a classic actually but i think uh underwater cities is the real uh, underwater cities new discoveries is the real underwater cities and the solo mode um really sings as well number six i struggled with whether i wanted to put this one on here but it ended up this high on the list because of the amount of time i spent learning it and by it i mean the solo mode and by the game i mean on mars on mars already was a nightmare teach i don't know what i mean a lot of people have said this and a lot of people are like i don't know what you're talking about and like sometimes people say like this game's really hard to learn and i'm like really was it i, I don't know okay but this one was a nightmare for me god bless you if it wasn't for you just learning this game like hurt my brain and was hard and then once i finally grokked it i was like cool and then i went to go learn the solo mode and it was like learning on mars again like the, sol the solo mode is hard and i ended up spending a good amount of time learning like on the ai's i spent i guess this is the one that maybe breaks the rule i, I probably spent as much time on the ai's turn on mine because there's a lot of things you got to look at it you know it uses a pretty simple system it uses some cards um, I, I like the system, but I, I've often found that Lacerda solo games um, are a beast. Uh, they're not coin level beast games. Uh, the coin games I find to be just big nopes for me. Too much, just too much work. Way too much work. I haven't tried the newer versions of them. I've heard they've gotten their AIs a little simpler. But the flow charts before, it was just like, I, it's not worth it, guys. It's just, it, but no, not for me. <laughs> But on Mars is like right there. It's like a little bit of like constantly having to look things up. It took me like five or six games before I was able to like not have a rule book in my lap. Um, but I will say this. It feels like you're playing on Mars, which is a lot to say because on Mars is a great game. And who doesn't want to be playing on Mars? And I don't think you are losing a huge amount with this solo mode. I think you can really enjoy on Mars and play the solo mode. just know going in it's like learning on mars twice uh it's like learning two different on marses uh number five is a new game praga kappa regni um yet to be reviewed on this board game coming on uh, on this board game podcast coming soon to a review on this podcast i guarantee vladimir suchi this is the second vladimir suchi game vladimir suchi and uh uva rosenberg are all over this list. But Vladimir Suchi's newest game, 2020 Praga Caput Regni, has an awesome solo mode, but it's not the one that comes in the box. The one that comes in the box is fine. It's fine. There's no problem with it. But there's one that doesn't come in the box. Now you say, I don't want to play a variant. Me neither. It's not. It's an official solo mode. They just didn't want to print six cards and toss them in the box. And I don't blame them for that because there are huge costs associated with that. And instead, you can just print out the six cards in black and white, stick them in some sleeves, or not, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Cut them out, shuffle them up, it's fine. That's what I did. It's a page of rules and six cards, I believe. Uh, just print them out and play. It is called Peter Parler, P-E-T-E-R-P-A-R-L-E-R. -E -E that is the name of the solo opponent you're playing against. And it's fan fantastic and by fantastic i mean so fast so easy 
I le- it's literally one page of rules. Okay, not literally. It's literally two, but it's like one and like a little chunk on the next page, and mostly it's examples. But I picked. I didn't have to look at the rules after ten minutes of trying it. You just the cards are simple. You do an action. You flip over a card. You do what it says on the card. You keep moving, which is great because that's one of the best things about Prague Caparegni is it's it's a pretty fast game um, in terms of your turns. It's pick a tile, do the action, boom. Um, and I, I was cranking out solo games of this in 30 minutes. I think this game is 30 minutes per player, even in multiplayer, and I think it's about the same in solo. But 30 minutes, you have a pretty heavy experience. I would almost say that this is a this is a game. I, there's uh, at the end of this, I'll go back and tell you which ones I think are worth owning just as solo games. But that's uh, pretty close. It really gives you the experience, um, and and will make you a proficient player as well. I, I found I become a much better player by playing against the solo mode. Um, so yeah, if you get Prague Caput Reckoning, don't play the one in the box. It's fine. It's totally fine. It's just not. It's like a beat your own score. Like whatever. It's fine look a little deeper, go to their website or go to the geek and download the Peter parlor. It is official. It's not a variant. Somebody didn't make it up. The designer did this. It's legit. They just didn't want to print six cards and throw them in the box um, because that would up the cost uh, more than it was worth for them. And I agree. I think that's probably the right move. Number four, we are in the top five. Now one, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, Yeah. Number four, this is the only game on this list that only plays as a solo game. This is a game from Thomas Uli. It is called Under Falling Skies. Now, I'm not a big like tower defense guy. I'm not a big sort of space invaders protect the base kind like that kind of stuff usually doesn't gel with me. And I passed on this a lot. Uh, when it first came out, I remember watching a video and going like mm, space invaders, I'm out. But enough reviews came in. I think Space Biff did a review. I, I remember just reading enough reviews where I was like, oh, it seems like there's more going on here. And that may just be sort of like a foundational mechanism. Um, and there is, there's more. This is a pretty awesome dice worker placement, uh, press your luck campaign. And the campaign is cool. The way they do it is really neat. Um, and it, it comes with these little comic book tiles and you read the comic book and then you flip it over and you pick a character and you go and you defend different cities across the world and the mechanism is really interesting you're rolling a handful of dice and you have to place them on the board and there's worker placement spots and you have an excavator that you can use and you can spend some of your dice to push your excavator farther into your sort of underground base and that will open up better worker placement spaces but you're wasting actions to move your excavator in order to open up better spaces. And meanwhile, all these spaceships are slowly descending upon the city that you're trying to protect. And some of your dice you have to use to shoot at spaceships. And some of them you have to use to actually win the game. And how you win the game is to research enough science in order to defeat the aliens. And so it's basically, you must do enough research, which is like, if you put a you know, a six pip die on a research spot, you move six spaces of research and you have to get to 20 by the end of it. But meanwhile, you know, if you just focus on science, you'll be dead in two rounds because there's all these spaceships moving in and things are dire and you've got to figure things out. And then there's also these cool spots where you can go and upgrade things and make things better. And then you each city gives you a different sort of rule breaking power. And then you also have a character that you're playing that gives you a one time use for it's very fun. It changes up every game. Um, the campaign really switches things up. Um, it's it is it is a puzzle. 
so this is not a deep strategy game. This is a puzzle. You are you're you're given a problem and you roll the dice and you have to do the best you can with the dice you rolled and figure out how to solve that problem. And I found it to be pretty well balanced. Every every match really came down to the wire, which can be frustrating for some people because you could roll badly in the end and be in trouble. But I think the luck is mitigatable enough to the point where it's not annoying for me. Um, oftentimes when I would lose to a single die roll at the end, it's because I didn't invest enough earlier in improving things and probably tried to rush a little bit too much or did the opposite, hunker down a little too much, tried to improve too much and let the timer run out on me. Um, so it's a really fun sort of push your luck puzzle game with enough it makes you feel smart. It, it's not, this is not Yahtzee where not that Yahtzee doesn't make you feel smart, but well, I don't know if it does, but it's not just uh, a dice chucker. There, there are some very thoughtful decisions. I actually found myself thinking how interesting the decision space was often in terms of like, okay, these are the five dice I rolled. Wow. I have uh, 20 places to put these on my board right now. And I really need to figure out the optimal ways to, to play this out, to survive, but also to ensure that I can accomplish my goals. Um, that is Under Falling Skies. Very interesting. The only solo-only game. No multiplayer version of this. This is literally just a game for you, yourself, and you. Uh, we're moving into our top three here. Number three is Neusford. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say Neusford is my favorite Uwe Rosenberg solo game. Um, why is it not number one, then? Because this is in my list of favorite solo games. Bud, Guy, all right? This is my list of my favorite games I've played in the last year, right? So back off, buddy. This is Newsford. Newsford Kim. Sorry, I'm a little I'm a little hyped up right now. It came out in 2017. Um, Newsford is like Glass Road 2.0. I really feel it is. It's it is uh, Glass Road is not a worker placement game. It's a, a action selection game uh, with some uh, following mechanics that are really fun. Newsford is a knife fight in a telephone booth. And we say that a lot on this board game podcast. What does that mean? It means it is cutthroat. Uh, it is always dancing on a, uh, on a knife's edge. And um, you can totally get boned uh, and be locked out of the things you need, Agricola style. But Newsford sets up in five minutes. It, really, it's, it has the same set of time as Glass Road. There, you just shuffle some decks of cards, you lay out some cards, and uh, you set up your board, and you're ready to go. Um, it's really fast, and I love Newsford. I just love it so much. I I really think it's a masterpiece, and is the Uva game that I think everyone who hasn't played, uh, who has played Uva, needs to have played Newsford. Also, I think it's uh, a seminal work in his oeuvre. In Uva's oeuvre. Um, there are multiple decks that have come out since, not necessary, but great. They're a little more complicated and a little more nuanced. Um, but yeah, the way that I like to play and the way that Uwe Rosenberg recommends that you play is to pick one deck. Uh, there are, uh, I think, three decks that come in the box, and there are two that have been released as expansions. You pick one deck, you play two games in a row using half the A and, half the a and B cards in one and half the A and B card, the other half the A and B cards in the second game. And you use the entire C deck both times, meaning you shuffle the whole C deck and randomly draw from them. Um, you can't use uh, half the C deck because it could potentially break combos. Um, but by doing that, you'll have played through an entire deck and most of the C deck, but all of the A and B cards. 
Uh, and you'll really get a good flavor for what each deck does. And that, to me, is the fun space of Newsford is exploring each deck, which has often different strategies than any other deck and changes up the way that you want to play. It changes up the elders that are uh, worth getting. It, uh, often people think the elders you choose are rote, but um, the different decks really are going to change which elders that you choose. And your elder strategy and the ones that you choose really sort of define your, they're sort of the occupations of Newsford. And so the elders that you choose, um, you know, not all, not all occupations are equal and they are always going to be based on sort of the cards that come out. Um, highly recommend Newsford. And here's what's amazing about Newsford plays incredibly at every player count and it goes from one to five. And I like the solo game as much as I like two, three, four, and five. I like them all. I think it's a masterpiece. That's Newsford. We're moving into the number two spot. I swear this is the last Uwe Rosenberg game. Uh, this is not my favorite Uwe Rosenberg solo game, but it's the one I played the most. I played a ton of Hallertau solo. I played it online 30, 40 times. I just I really enjoy it. It's a 45-minute solo game, maybe an hour. It's not the fastest. Playing it online um, is fast, obviously, because you don't have to do any setup. But I have the physical version. I've had it for a few weeks now, and I've been playing it. I just leave it set up. It's not a big setup and teardown. I use um, uh, one of those uh, like GMT token trays, but the one I use is a DVG tray, DVG. Uh, it's another war game company, and theirs is a little deeper, and so it actually is better for holding... Uh, wooden components and everything stays right there i'm looking at it right now all i got to do is uh, pick a couple decks shuffle them up put out the cubes and i'm ready to go it's pretty fast to play um and i really enjoy the decision space and you know a lot of people's problems with howler tower are that it can be a little multiplayer solitaire-ish um and you know heads down how you're going to play these cards not too concerned with what other cards people are playing um, I think the better you get at the game, the more you will be and should be concerned with what other people are playing. But the solo game will make you a proficient player. It'll really sort of let you explore the space. Once again, this is one of those Uva games that has like feels like it has 20 expansions that come in the box. Like it'd be great if he puts out more decks, but if he doesn't, we're good. There's a lot. There's you've got four of the gateway, four of the farmer, and then you've got your upgrade and your VP deck. That's a lot of uh, variation there. Um, pick decks, shuffle them up play explore the decks same as news for it. i love that feeling of like okay let's see the different nuances there's there's much more uh, there's much less difference between the decks here than there are in news for the strategies can really change with the news for decks here it's like in the sheep deck there's like two more sheep cards than there would be otherwise maybe uh but yeah not wildly different but still enough where you you, you want to explore that space you kind of want to know what's in those decks and what you can or can't expect if you choose those decks in multiplayer games so yeah hallertau I think fantastic. Um, I'm saying this to remind myself at the end to come back to games that I think are worth buying uh, just as solo games at the end of this. But let's get to our number one. There was no question what my number one was when I first started thinking about this. I didn't even have to look at the list. I instantly knew my number one. In fact, in many ways, I wanted to do this list just so I could talk about this. This might be my favorite solo game of all time now. And it is a new-to-me game from 2020. It is Anachrony. And not just Anachrony, but Anachrony, the ridiculous, absurd, uh, what is it? I don't even remember. The Infinity Box, which has everything that Anachrony ever made. But 
all I've really been playing is bass anachrony and fractures of time. And once I started playing fractures of time, I stopped playing bass anachrony. And I don't think I'll ever play it again because I love fractures of time. So if you just want to play what I'm talking about here, you just have to buy anachrony and you have to buy the fractures of time expansion. Now, the fractures of time expansion comes with the solo mode, which is there's the chronobot and the chronosis. So you may say to yourself, boy, the chronosis looks complicated. I should start with the chronobot. I'm here to tell you you're wrong. Don't do that because the difference between the chronobot and the chronosis is like five minutes of understanding. So if you understand the chronobot, just read five more minutes worth of rules and you're ready to play the chronosis. And it is so much better. And I, here's why I love this solo mode. It's so fast, but feels so like such a dangerous opponent you're up against. You you have an idea. Like, so basically what it is, is imagine like a little shoots and ladders roll and write map. That's kind of what your opponent has. And there are certain tokens on the map, right? So there's like two, three, four, and five. Uh, and you have a die. And this is a uh, an average dice. Uh, so it's a D6, but there's no one and there's no six. Uh, and then there's like uh, two threes, two fours, one two, and one five. Okay? So it is a, I think technically what that's called is an average D6. Um, you are going to roll that. So you know you have threes and fours are going to happen more often than not. And the twos and fives will happen every once in a while. Um, and there are every one of the spots on, if you're picturing sort of a, a, a candy land roll and write map, every one of those spots has a different action on it. And the two starts a different place than the three, than the four, than the five. And anytime you roll a die, that action is going to happen. And they're each sort of on their own little, little candy land path. So the twos will always cycle through the same five or six actions. The threes will always cycle the fours. The threes and fours, I think, meet up at a certain point and can both happen on the same place. But when you look at the board, you can see the odds of what the next player's actions are going to be, which is great because the same thing would happen in a multiplayer game. I basically know, well, it's turn one. I know my opponent's going to want to build a building. Uh, that's a really valuable action. And sure enough, there's like a 50, 60% chance that my opponent is going to roll the thing that's going to make him buy a building every turn. The question, though, is like, I don't know which building it's going to buy, which is the same thing I would have with my opponent. I just know it's going to buy a building. And I know that there's like, I'd, I'd say probably like in, in the first round, there's like an 80% chance it's going to buy a building, which is exactly what your opponent would do. But it's so fun because you really feel like you have to outthink the bot. You know, you can look at its board and go, all right, there's like a 50% chance it's going to do one of these two actions and a small chance it's going to do one of these. And this is a worker placement game. So I'm trying to figure out where to place my worker because if you if it rolls something it can't do because you're already there, it just gets a victory point instead, which often can be worse because those victory points really start adding up. So you really have some interesting decisions to make of do I want to get in the bot's way knowing what the odds are it's going to do next or do I just need to do those things so I can win? Um, and it's very challenging and very fun. Um, look, Anachrony is a beast of a game to learn. The base game is 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 a medium heavy game with fractures of time. It's a heavy game. I would say three point seven five to four. It's a heavy game. You add in the Chronobot, and this is a heavy game. This is a beast. It's also an absolute nightmare to set up on the table. I mean, you, I'm talking. It's going to take up a large table. You're not playing this on a card table because not only do you need the whole setup for anachrony, 
you need a whole sideboard for fractions of time. You need enough space for your whole player board. And the Kronosis player board takes up the exact same amount of space as yours. And you have to sit in front of both of them. It's a lot. Now, look, if you're an absolute psychopath like me that bought the Infinity Box for like 200 something dollars, it makes it a lot easier to set up. And I'm not recommending you do this. I'm just saying if this if this becomes your game, if you're like, I'm all in on Anachrony, I'm all in. This is my this is my lifestyle game. I have a board game podcast. Don't be like me. I'm different than you. I uh, this is like <laughs> I have a board game podcast. But if you love Anachrony so much, it it does. It has all of these wonderful little compartments that come out and make setup a lot easier. Um, it does not take up less table space at all. It just organizes things nicely, and you just go like plop plop plop. Put this here here. Set out this tray. Set out this tray. It still takes time. It's still a thing. Like. I am lucky enough to have an office where there's a table that I don't have to eat dinner at at night because it's my office. So I can just leave it. And so I, you know, basically like if I'm going to play anachrony, I'll leave it on my table for two weeks. Um, and if I put it away, I'm not playing it for a while because it's, it's a little bit of a beast. So you really have to keep that in mind. But once you get it set up, you are just going to, I played through every single faction and every single leader in every single faction against the Chronobot. And it was the most solo fun I have ever had in my life. Please don't go spend 200 something dollars on that Infinity Box. I, I, I will not be responsible for that, okay? I, look, look, it's not okay. You need, to, you need to think long and hard. I know I'm giving you FOMO right now because it's so good, but I don't, you gotta take a break, take a walk around the block. You don't need to have anachrony. You definitely don't need to have the infinity box. Oh, but my God, is innocent. I'm, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But I, I've had, that's the most fun I've had. This whole thing. I became obsessed with it. I, I never do that. I never just play every faction, every leader in every faction. I just like, once I got into it, like the rules are so simple and it's so good. But like, that's what's wonderful about the solo mode. It's absolutely brilliant. David Turtsey is a solo mode genius when it comes to at least anachrony. I've liked his other stuff, but this is mind blowing to me, the chrono, the chronosis. And it's just, you just roll the die. It tells you what you do. You know, the odds of what it's going to do. And you, you're like really sparring with, with this AI and it's hard. Like I'm, my win rate's like 50, 50, which is pretty much where I want it to be. You know, I want to feel like I really, and, and, and my win rate got better. It was probably 2080 for a while. Like I'm at 50, 50 now I could probably get to 60, 70 eventually. Um, and I like that you, you, it, it will make you a good anachrony player. Um, and the, the fractures of time is just a fantastic expansion <laughs> to me. I, I'm not ready yet to say that it's like heads and shoulders better than base anachrony and that it's the only way to play, but I'm leaning that way. Time will tell because I have yet to play a multiplayer, like at all, straight up. I have not played a multiplayer, which is absurd. Um, so, well, not absurd. It's a, just absurd to me because I want to play it so bad. It makes total sense because we're in a pandemic. Hence, the top 10 solo games of the coronavirus, corona, COVID virus pandemic. We have come to the end of it. I want to hit out some honorable mentions here, some Ani mentions. Uh, Feast for Odin, fantastic solo game nightmare to set up bonfire only played it twice enjoyed it cool little solo mode raiders of scythia it's okay it's fun it's very simple very simple if you like raiders of scythia very simple 
Viscounts of the West Kingdom, same. I like his solo modes, Shem Phillips solo modes. They're fun. I don't think Viscounts is better than Paladins, um, but I enjoyed it. Super Skill Pinball 4K. Not a big roll and write guy, but if I have to play roll and write, I'm going to play this one. And I played it a handful of times solo and I enjoyed it. Merv, we will probably review this at some point on the podcast. Not obsessed with the game. Super solid solo mode, though. Very, very simple, very smart, interesting. Too Many Bones should always be on my list of favorite solo things. I just haven't played it much. Um, uh, I don't know why. I got my big box with all my beautiful things in it. I didn't get it until a few months ago, and I just haven't played it yet. Um, And yeah, that is my honorable mentions. That's my top 10. I'm going to do one sommelier, and you know what? We're going to listen to the entire sommelier song. Sometimes a player just got to know which game should stay. Which game should go? Psych! Hey everyone, Rog Rab here. Love the podcast. It has entertained me through many long drives and slow days at work. I enjoy hearing the many differing opinions of the crew and unique topics each week. More Dimitri talking about sci-fi books, please. Agreed. Here's my question. With COVID-19 and the challenges of in-person gaming, I've been doing more solo gaming. I mainly play PAX Premier 2E, Sprawlopolis, or various games two-handed, but would really like another game with a dedicated solo mode. What is the best solo game, doesn't have to be solo only, that has a relatively small footprint, but still has lots of depth? I've considered Nemo's War and Renegade. The first is quite large and expensive, and the latter is hard to track down. Thanks. Well, let's quickly take a look. I know I reminded myself to do this, and I'm going to do it now. I didn't forget. Get off my back. Here are the games from my list that I recommend you buy. And one of these I'm going to recommend to you, Rograb, if that is your real name. I think of these games that are worth buying just for the solo mode. Anachrony. Newsford. I don't have to say Under Falling Skies because that's all it can be played as. I'm going to say Praga Capiregni for now. I may eat my words on it. I'm going to say Maracaibo. That to me is of the list. Those are the ones that I think justify a place in your collection if you're never going to play them solo. I think you will get your money's worth out of them. Of the things I just said to you, uh, Rog, Rog Rab, I recommend Newsford for you. Fast setup, infinite depth. If, if you like combo making, if you like worker placement, you're going to love it. It's fantastic. It is your typical Uva. You can't go to the places you went to last round kind of game, but that doesn't matter because that is really fun. And somehow with this, it, it still really feels like the multiplayer version of it. Um, I just think it's every game feels different. You're always going to have a different collection of cards. I just love that feeling of like, how am I going to make a combo out of this? And it is a beat your, like it says all the things I shouldn't like about a solo game, beat your score, you know, block yourself mechanisms, um, it's awesome. And I like write down my scores. Like I'm, if I break 30, I'm super proud of myself and you should be super proud of yourself too. Anytime you break 30, um, that's my goal. Um, and I love doing it. And I always, I just think Newsford is a must own solo game. Um, you know, I, I'm not totally sure if it's in print right now, but when it is, it's not wildly expensive. You know, it's a 40 to $60 game, depending on your corner of the woods and your, online or uh not online games i'm looking it up on amazon right now just because i'm curious yep 60 bucks on amazon right now totally in stock retails for 70 
don't need to buy the expansion decks for it right away. You can hold off, although they do come with some nice little tiny metal coins. Um, God, I'm the worst at FOMO, aren't I? Bad. Uh, but yeah, that's it. Thanks for writing in. I feel good about this episode. 45 minutes. That was solid. We did a little news. I told you my 10 favorite games of the solo mode. Um, I'm I'm a little hyped up. Hopefully not too annoying to everybody. I'm going to play the Game Small A song <laughs> in full for the one person who says it bothers him or her that I don't play it fully. So let's go out on the Game Sommelier. Thank you all very much. This has been Solo Mode, and I'm kidding. Solo Mode is the Solo Mode, and you're all alone. I can't do it. I can't Sometimes do it. Sometimes I feel just got to know See you next which game should stay, which game should go, which to play with my mom, my dad, my boo. You got to tell me, monsieur, just what to do. Want to make an impression, but I can't get far. Was my 50th player of Agricola. A million games. Show me the way to the master. The game Somalier.